Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. Two weeks ago, we started going through the book of Proverbs. Um, And as we began looking at the book of Proverbs, um, what we saw, um, as I started with, was that the world is just spending an inordinate amount of money on looking for self-help. I mean, as we look at the world right now, I mean, there is just like this total chaos of people trying to figure out what morality is, um, who's right, who's wrong, what right is, what truth is, and stuff like that. When God has placed it within thousands of years ago, and it has stood the test of time for us to realize, the sad as it is for us to look at the world and to realize that the world is floundering because it doesn't know the truth, how much more it is that the church is floundering. Grazie. That the world is, is floundering as well, or I mean that the church is floundering as well, not knowing what truth is when we've got it here. And again, so my challenge to you is to, to think as we go into this, how much time do you spend in God's word seeking his truth compared to how much time do you spend in the world being inundated and inculcated with its truth? But then even as make it a step better, how much time do you spend in listening to people pontificate about the Word of God? I get place as a teacher. However, I would rather have you spend more time reading God's Word directly than listening to me teach. Because all you're getting is regurgitation. But Jesus said to his disciples before he left, it is profitable for you for me to leave. Could you imagine that being his disciples? And Jesus is getting ready to die. And he says, it's good for you for me to go. No, no, you don't get it, Jesus. It's not. I, I, I love it when you're here with me. No, it's profitable for you for me to leave. Because if I leave, then I will send you who? the Holy Spirit, the Holy Comforter. And when he comes, he will lead you into all truth. Do you believe it? Do you believe that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us into all truth? And do you who are part of that group? Or he can't do that for you. I mean, well, you know, I mean, You've got the Charles Haddon Spurgeons, you know, you've got the, um, the D.L. Moody's, and you've got the Billy Graham's, and while they're clearly, they're God able to use them and, and teach them, but he doesn't, you don't know me. I mean, who was Jesus talking to when he said that? Who was he going to lead into all truth? Go ahead. An educated fisherman. That was just a few of them. Then you've got a tax collector. He's really uneducated. No, anyways, and so... No commas on the IRS. Um, anyways, but the reality is, he's got a group of guys, that, not with college degrees. They weren't seminarians. Say again, Mark? Or Pharisee. It gets Paul later, but, but for a specific purpose, he uses Paul to write Romans and Hebrews. I think Hebrews, okay? Um, but, um, but Peter was just a fisherman. And he was one of the ones who was going to be led into 
all truth. Could you imagine if Peter said, I, I, there's no way. It's not going to happen. can't happen. You know? Um, Andrew, Philip, John, James. No, I can't use me. But he did. In a marvelous and mighty way. So I want to encourage you, again, as we're studying this book of Proverbs, that God gave us this in order for us to have wisdom, in order for us to have knowledge, in order for us to have understanding, discretion, discernment, all these things God has placed in his word, specifically in this book of Proverbs, and, and to, to read it daily. Again, there's 31 chapters, generally speaking, 31 days in a month. You can read one chapter a day. <clears throat> it's a great thing to do. Over the last two weeks, we have considered the purpose, principle, and precept of the book, all contained in the first seven And so the purpose, fourfold, to know wisdom and discipline, to understand words of understanding, to receive the discipline of understanding righteousness, justice, and uprightness, and to give prudence, knowledge, and discretion to the simple and to the, the young man um, that we're told there. And then the principle, so the green and the red are broken around, if you would, in verses 5 to 7, around the precept, okay, which is the precept as the maxim over the entire book. The fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge. If you get that, if you get that, the fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge. What? The beginning. Well, yeah, but it's the beginning of knowledge. Okay? We're going to come to the point where, honestly, the greatest commandment that Jesus told us to love the Lord your God with all your soul, mind, and strength. If he wanted to, he could have said what? What's the, what's the greatest commandment? He could have said the greatest commandment is to fear the Lord your God. But he didn't. He said the greatest commandment comes from the Shema in Deuteronomy chapter 6, right? Is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind, okay? This is the first and greatest commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So the fear of the Lord leads us then into this relationship that we can have with God where ultimately once you get to know him, you what? You love him. Perfect love casts out all fear. So I want to just kind of say that as we get into this, we're talking about the fear of the Lord, and it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning of knowledge. But the fact is, that's what we see going on in the world today because the world has no fear of God. There's no fear of way. And so they do what they want to do. So the, precept, the principles that are based on it, the wise will desire to desire wisdom and understanding, and the fool will despise it. And so the question is, which ones are we? So we want to now move forward into the book. And um, today we want to look at the possession of wisdom. Um, the possession of wisdom. And in this, we're going to look at counsel that was given by Solomon and counsel that was given by sinners. And how they. But from this point, then, we're going to go from the possession um, of wisdom. Next week, Father's Day, we're going to be looking at the propagation of wisdom. Then after that, we're going to look at the portrait of wisdom, and then the pursuit of wisdom, and then pearls, the pearls of wisdom. And so when we get to the pearls of wisdom, clearly that's going to be where we look at our mouth. We're going to be looking at ships. We're going to be looking at Proverbs talks about topically. But today, I want to begin looking here. Given regarding what his son, what his child, what his 
children needed to be able to, to, to have. We're going to come to this again next week and look at this from a different angle. But look, my son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother, for they will be a graceful or The word graceful is the word for um, favor. So Noah found favor in the eyes of God. He found grace, if you would, in the eyes of God. And so these will be ornaments of grace, ornaments of favor that you will have around you, okay, that will be on your neck. So note the two things that he says. Here are the instruction, Musar. Anybody remember the word Musar? We've talked about it two weeks in a row. Say it again. Chastisement, spanking. I mean, not necessarily the word we want to hear, okay? But it's correction, it's discipline. So, hear the musar of your father, and do not forsake the Torah of your mother. So, you don't have to be Jewish to understand the word Torah, right? We hear it so often. Torah is, is the law, okay? Is the first five books of the Bible, but it's also the, the Ten Commandments, and so it depends on how you get it. But literally, it really, more than just law, it means teaching. It's the teachings of Yahweh. So really the Torah in the, those first five books are the teachings of Yahweh. Okay, What he wants his children to know. What he wants his children to understand. And so, it's kind of interesting that when you look at this, there's kind of a tag team thing happening here, isn't there? You've got the instruction or the discipline of the father, but then you have the teaching of the mother. Both of these are, if you would, instructional. Instructional concepts. And so when you look at a man and when you look at a woman, generally speaking, the, the man is firmer. I know it doesn't hold true in everybody's house and everybody's situation, okay? But the woman is, tends to be what? More lean, motherly. All I have to say is motherly, and everybody kind of gets it, you know? Lean, tender, compassionate. Whereas the dad kind of tends to you know, suck it up, let's move on, you know, da da da, da okay? And so, oh, honey, do you think she really needs, or he really needs to get spanked again? Oh, honey, do you, Marsha, she was a, and that kind of stuff, she was, I was the other side. Oh, honey, do you know? Anyways, no. um, but, but the reality is that, that it tends to be, God, God knew what he was doing when he put us together. And so, so counsel to his son was, listen to your mom and dad. Listen to your mom and dad. Now, we're going to stop there because we'll be getting into this as we go. But listen to your mom and dad. Well, it goes along with Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 3. Children, what? Obey the Lord. This is right. Honor your father. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go with you and that you may live long on the earth. Remember this? We talked about stealing the cookie from the cookie jar, and as you're trying to put the lid back, you hear your mom's steps coming down the hall, and you know this is the day you're going to die. Okay? It goes along with it. You may, may go well with you, and that you may live long upon the earth. Okay? There's a generalized statement that's there, though, that I, I don't want to miss. Okay? And yes, a lot of this message is going to be directed to you kids. To this is being talked to. Okay? But us adults, don't turn your, heads, turn your ears off or your age or whatever it is, right? Because the reality is it applies to us as well, okay? But if you listen to your parents, 
generally speaking, you will live long on the earth. There are a lot of, now, you know, I understand people might die in a car accident or whatever, but for those who die an early death, generally it's because why? They made bad choices. They made bad choices. And in many of those situations, the counsel of their parents, they probably wouldn't have made those. Now, I get I'm making a generalized statement, okay? And it is a generalized statement, okay? The counsel of the sinners, on the other hand, right on the hill, beginning of verse 10. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait to shed blood. Let us lurk for the innocent ones. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol and whole like those who go into the pit. Now, think about it. Right off the bat, if somebody came up to you right now and they said what? Hey, come go hang out with us. We're going to kill people. That's kind of what's being said here, right? Instantly, you're going to say what? No, 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 no. But that's not usually how it's, it's kind of guys. I mean, think about it. Did they show the person without any teeth and having to have a, a tracheotomy because they got lung cancer, or lung cancer and mouth cancer and throat cancer? Camel doesn't want to show you those things, right? But what, are they, what does Camel show you? It's cool. You can be hanging out in the bar and everybody's smoking and joking and all this kind of stuff. I've seen a lot of people with mouth cancer, with throat cancer, and with lung cancer who don't think it's cool anymore, but that they are mastered by it, and even while it's killing them. Anyways, again, Miller Hive, when you watch those commercials, did they show people who are addicted to alcohol, who, who have the DTs? I mean, I don't know if you've ever ministered to somebody. There's various stages of alcoholism. And minister to somebody who has gone through those stages I have. I've had somebody um, actually literally in my living room start having um, seizures, thank you, because of the DTs. Man, I'm trying to cast demons out and everything else, I, you know, all this stuff going on. And, um, but that individual, I mean, would, I didn't know what alcohol was in. I mean, they were in my house um, like a self thing of jail, you know, self trying to get away from this stuff. And, I mean, they're drinking um, mouthwash. I don't think they were doing shampoo. Do you remember being shampoo? My ki- I had kids in my house at that time, so it wasn't just Marsha and me. Um, it was just amazing. I mean, it was like I didn't know there was all this stuff that I had to put under lock and key. You know, say again? Vanilla extract. Vanilla extract. No, no, they, they didn't go there. We always, you, want, you don't want to know about our vanilla extract. That would definitely have been under lock and key immediately. Um, anyways, <laughs> so, but... But we make our own. Anyways, so the reality is that the world doesn't want you to think this way. So these sinners, they come and they say, come, let us lie in wait to shed blood. But they're not going to say it all this. What they say then is verse 13, we shall find all kinds of precious possessions. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in your lot among us. Let us all have one What's the ultimate goal of the council of the sinner? 
ill-gotten gain. Well, let, let, let's not be so harsh, Steve. I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that may be your perspective of that. We just want what's ours. It's not, it's, it's fair. Because what is yours should be mine. Now, that sounds awful. It almost sounds like this could be being written when? Now. Okay? But that's what's being stated. And so the means to the end then is justified. Because ultimately, we're serving a God of materialism. And I'm going to come to that in a moment. I want to just remind you before we move on is Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. It begins with a process. First, he's what? He's just walking along. And he just hears something. And then he what? He stops and he starts talking to them. Well, that sounded interesting. But he gives more credence to it, more credence to it. And before he knows it, what's he doing? He's sitting in the seat of the scornful, the ones who despise, if you would, the wisdom that was out there. He was walking his own way, heard something, was enticed by the sinners, intrigued by what he heard, began to stop. I think that's what Solomon is here speaking of as well. This leads then to a choice. The counsel leads to a choice. You have a choice to make. So kids, again, I said mostly this is to you today, right? You have a choice to make. You can choose whether you want to listen to your parents or you can choose whether you want to listen to the world. You can choose whether you want the possessions of the world or whether you want the possessions of wisdom. Theoretically, that is what Solomon is presenting. To follow the counsel of your parents is to follow the counsel of wisdom. To follow the counsel of your parents is to gain wisdom. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But if you don't fear God, if you don't fear Yahweh, then you'll follow the, the counsel of the sinners, and you will then get the possession of the world. And that is all the um, materialism and all the ill-gotten gain, if you want, that's there. I can't leave the pulpit. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to look like a, one of those dogs on a, on a leash, you know? I'm going to start walking this way, and all of a sudden, I'm going to say, no, you got to go back. Um, so in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 24, we read, Jesus state this. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye, and therefore, your eye is, if your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If, therefore, the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. 
And again, mammon is the word that we would bring into today as materialism. It's the things that money buys. You can't serve God in the world at the same time. They're mutually exclusive. Now, we're going to look at a verse in a moment, and I'm not necessarily saying that money and materialism in and of itself is wrong. What I'm saying is, if that's your focus point, if that is what you are desiring in life, if that is the desire of your heart is to, he who dies with the most toys wins, then your focal point is wrong. That is your God. And you cannot serve two gods. And so if you're serving the world, I promise you, you're not serving God. If the goal in your life is to get more, 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 then you're not serving Christ. In fact, Jesus said anybody who wanted to come after him needed to do what? You guys know it. What's number one? Deny yourself. What's number two? Take up your cross daily. And number three? Follow me. That's how it plays out. So kids, you're at a, a good place where you're starting off on your, on your journey in life. Some of you are in that transition point. And you've got to make decisions. But as adults, it doesn't mean, well, it's too late for me. It's not too late. If your pursuit has been wrong, if your focus has been wrong, what do you need to do? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, will pray and seek my face, will turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. That's written to, the, to believers. It's not written to unbelievers. The problem with the United States is not unbelievers. Sinners will act like sinners. Unbelievers act like unbelievers. The church needs to start acting like the church. And I just, again, I know I say this and it's a broken record. It just grieves me when I see the church wanting to point fingers at the world. That that's the problem with this country. It's not. It's not. It's part of the problem. I get it. There's, a, there's an issue that's there. But we have got to make our decision to seek the kingdom of God in his righteousness. That that has got to be the forefront of our brain. Joshua stated it this way. At the end of the book of Joshua, when the people were going into the land, and, and he was gathering them together at the end of his life. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll come back to Timothy in a second. Um, I want to go to Joshua. It says, Now therefore, fear Yahweh, serve him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river in Egypt. Serve Yahweh. Serve Yahweh. But he doesn't end it there. He comes to this point then. He says, but, I, I think that should be a but. In the, so the vav, uh, the vav um, as a, when it comes as a prefix, can, can tr be translated and or but. And it makes more sense there, because he's telling them do this. But, if it seems evil to you to serve Yahweh, then what? Choose. Choose another God. Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. A lot of times I hear that quoted and it's like, like it's a positive thing. No, that part's a negative thing. If it seems evil for you today to serve Yahweh, 
then just be honest. Be truthful. Choose the God that you're going to serve. Because you're going to serve somebody. You're going to choose to serve something. Romans 6, Paul stated this way. Do you not know that you are the slave to whom you what? You obey. You are someone's slave. You will be a slave of obedience unto righteousness, or you will be a slave of sin unto death. But you will be a slave to somebody. So choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve Yahweh. That's all you can say. That's all you can make the decision of. Who are you individually going to serve? Dads, in your house, what's going to be the focus? You'll set the focus in your house. Now, individually, everybody else makes a decision, but you make the decision for your house. That's why I love the Shema so much. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your what? heart, with all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the words which I teach you this day shall be in your hearts, and you shall teach them diligently to your children, whether you're sitting in a house or whether you're walking away, whether you're lying down or whether you're rised up. And you shall bind them as, a, as a, a sign upon your hands, and they shall be as a frontlet between your eyes. You shall write them upon the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Who was, who was Moses talking to in Deuteronomy chapter 6? The men of Israel. The men of Israel. It was to the men that he said, you shall love the Lord your God. You shall hide these words in your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall bind them on your hands. You shall put them as a front between your eyes. You shall write them upon the doorposts of your house and on your gates. It's our job to bring this into our homes. So choose. Choose. Who are you going to serve? You're going to serve. So back to this passage in Timothy, um, reflecting then what was stated um, by Jesus, that you can't serve two gods. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. But in verse 9 we read, those who desire to be rich will fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful what? Lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. That's exactly what's going on back in Proverbs chapter 1. The, the counsel of the sinners is what? Come with us. Come with us. We're going to get all this booty. We're going to get all this spoil. We're going to get all this possession. But what happens in the meantime? They fall into temptations and snares and foolish and harmful lusts, whereby then they drown in destruction and perdition. And that's what's going on in our land today. It didn't happen overnight. I promise you it didn't happen overnight. Decisions were made. What happened after World War II in the United States? What became the theme in America after World War II? Baby boomers. But what the blank blank. I know that really helped it, wasn't it? I gave you the the. The American, the American dream. What's the American dream? Say again, Mark. Two kids, wife, and a house. 
Okay? That's where it began, maybe. What's the American dream? To live long and prosper. Another Spock. <laughs> to acquire as much as you can. To have more than your parents did when you begin. I mean, think about it. How many do you know want to go buy a house that's smaller than when they grew up in? They want to begin where they left. So to acquire as much as you can, but that begins with where your parents dropped off. That becomes the, 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 the beginning point of destruction and perdition. It's where the, the nation begins to, to fall apart. So I want to move on. So you have a choice to make, which way you want to go. But in those choices, then, where we want to look at in the end here is these consequences that come with the choice. The consequence that is associated, if you would, with the choice that's there. First of all, the consequence that comes with the choice of choosing the possessions of the world. What do we see that happens here? So back in Proverbs chapter 1 again, okay, we see verse 19 that at the end of all this, so are the... So are the ways of everyone who is greedy for gain. It takes away the life of its owners. Okay, that kind of goes along with what we just read in 1 Timothy 6. Okay, and then we read about this call of wisdom, which we're going to look at um, in, in two weeks, I think it is. Um, two weeks? Two weeks, I think, is where, when we'll get there. Um, but I want to drop down to verse 26. Because wisdom, beginning of verse 20, is calling out for people to, to follow her. So for the fools to, to see their folly and to, to turn from it and to, to follow her. But they reject that because, again, fools what? Despise wisdom and understanding, right? So they hear wisdom cry out and they say, ah, that's a bunch of bunk. That's, that's old fogey stuff. We don't need that. We'll do it our own way. We're wise in our own eyes, right? So verse 26, well, I'll begin at verse 25 for the context. Because you disdained all my counsel and wouldn't have none of my rebuke, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes. When your terror comes like a storm, your destruction comes like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you. Drop down to verse 32. For the turning away of the simple will slay them. And the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. What begins to happen when you follow and pursue, if you would, the possessions of the world? Complacency. Complacency will set in. You no longer, think about it, if... You have everything, and you abound, and you feel like you did it on your own. What need do you have then for who? For God. There is no need for God. Because you become your own God. You did it, Frank Sinatra said. My way. Yeah, well, I was going to say your way, but yeah, my way. That's exactly right. I did it my way. Okay? I mean, it's just amazing. You think about some of the, you know, when we sing these songs and stuff like that, they all come out, what we really think. Okay? And so... Complacency sets in, but again, the end result of complacency is, in the complacency of fools will what? 
destroy them. And so when calamity comes, wisdom says what? I will laugh at you. This is not a politically correct message. Think about that. Wisdom is the personification of Christ and of God. Wisdom was with God in the beginning, in the creation. Okay? And so the, the fullness of wisdom is bound up in God. And so if you would, this is God speaking. And God is crying out, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. But the world will not. In the end, what's going to happen? They're going to get the results of their choices. And they're going to wail, and they're going to cry. But God's going to say what? Too late. It's too late. That's exactly right. I mean, the laughter sounds harsh. It sounds harsh. But that's what says. Wisdom says, and I will laugh at your calamity. Because it was foolishness. It didn't have to happen. The word for complacency is this concept of a sense of security and ease that we tend to get. So we're talking against the world there. We're talking against sinners. But clearly the application is to us. As Americans, we clearly have a lot. Compared to the rest of the world, you all are stinking rich. They would love to have even just a portion of what we have. And it's so easy for us as believers in the United States because of affluence to become complacent and lethargic and apathetic. We have to guard against it. Do you know when the church has grown the fastest and strongest? Under persecution. Under persecution. When we lose what we didn't need and we realize what is most important. And then others start to realize what's most important. And they realize that's what they need. But we get distracted by the world. We get distracted by the things of the world. Those who follow the counsel of sinners, the counsel of the world, ultimately will become complacent and it will lead to calamity. But fortunately, Proverbs goes on, and I want to drop down into chapter 2, beginning of verse 10. This is then the consequence of those, what happens when you possess wisdom and in, in not the things of the world. Chapter 2, verse 10. When wisdom enters your heart, and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you, understanding will keep you. And I think I have those up there. I do. Shamar and Natsar. Um, one would have sufficed, but both 
are brought together to let you know how secure you really are when wisdom is with you. Discretion will preserve you. Shamar is the word that um, God uses to Adam when he puts him in the Garden of Eden and he tells Adam to, to, to guard or to keep the garden. So he puts him there and tells him to tend it. Well, lit it, literally it means to, to guard it and protect it. Okay? Um, and so then Natsar then is meaning it's a, a synonym which means pretty much the same thing, to preserve it. Okay? And so this concept then is that you will be preserved by wisdom. Discretion will preserve you. Understanding will keep you. To deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness, to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perversity of the wicked, whose ways are crooked and who are devious in their paths. Again, that's the other grouping. That's the sinners who want you to follow them. And so when wisdom is your possession, when wisdom is in your heart, then it will preserve you. It will keep you. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 21, says, My son, let them, what's them? Well, you can look up and you can see um, in verse 19 and 20, it's understanding and knowledge, okay? It says, let them, understanding and knowledge, not depart from your eyes, keep sound wisdom and discretion, so they will be life to your soul and grace to your neck. Then you will walk safely in your way, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, you will lie down, and your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden, sudden terror, nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes. For Yahweh will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. When you choose wisdom, ultimately you choose Yahweh. And when you choose Yahweh, there is preservation and protection. Yahweh promises that he will preserve those who entrust themselves in him. Does that mean that you're going to live forever on the earth? No. It means that he'll keep you, he'll preserve you through those trials. You can't kill me. How fun is that? Now, physically, you can't, you, you, in, unless what? Unless God said so. Unless God wants me to die at that moment. But that's talking physical. But the reality is, even in that moment, you can't kill me. Because I'm going to continue to live. This body, this tent may fall on the ground and, and it cease to exist, cease to function. But to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You can't kill me. How cool is that? Yahweh will be your confidence. My confidence isn't in me. It's not in anything in this world. And if your confidence was in the United States, hopefully the last few months have shown you that it's ill-placed. When wisdom enters your heart, 
You will be preserved. You will be protected. There will be no need to fear where you go. I am highly prohibitive. Now, if you took growing kids God's way, you understand that. That means that I can have 50 people tell me that was a great message. And one person says to me, Bob, can we speak on Tuesday? All of a sudden, inwardly, I begin to have this guilty complex coming to me. What do they want to talk to me about? What did I do wrong? Da, 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 da. But you know what? If Yahweh is your confidence, and wisdom is in your heart, and you are walking securely in him, then what? There is nothing that comes against you. You can walk securely, and you got to, so for me, when that, all that stuff happens, I have to continually work on myself and tell myself what? Those are unfounded fears that I need to overcome. Be anxious for nothing with all things with prayer and supplication. Make sense? So i got to let that stuff go. But that's only based on this. But if I am walking in sin, then I'm always waiting for what? My sin to find me out. Do you get that? Well, when wisdom comes into your heart and you are following and you have the possession of understanding and knowledge and the fear of the Lord, then there will be preservation and protection. So in the end, what are you seeking after in life? If it came down to a choice between wisdom and wealth, which would you choose? I mean, right now, wisdom or wealth, what do you want? Do you want a little bit more money? Or do you want a little bit more wisdom? <clears throat> now, interestingly enough, that will be the decision pretty much three and a half years into the final week of Daniel's vision, which is commonly referred to as the tribulation period, when there's the mark of the beast that's being offered. Because to choose wisdom is to choose what? To choose Yahweh. And so you'll, they'll have to make a choice. Everybody will have to make a decision at that point. Do they want the things of the world? Materialism? Or are they going to want to serve God? It boils down to it. Now, knowing that, then for you and I today, we ought to know that that's still what? The same decision. Who or what are you looking to for your protection and preservation. When you need to call for help, to whom or to what do you look to? Do you truly fear the Lord, Yahweh, or love him with all your heart, soul, and mind? Again, I see those as extensions of one and the same concept, and that is focusing on God. It begins with the fear of Yahweh, but it transitions into a love for Yahweh. But I still recognize the fact that the God that I love is the God that what? Can snuff me out anytime he chooses. Do you know what happens when you um, love someone or you say you love someone? What begins to happen? You don't fear them. You love them. You begin to take them for granted. And you start to become complacent in their relationship. Does it make sense? So be careful that you don't do that with God. He's still, is, still the God of the universe. Kids, specifically back to you then. 
How do you treat the counsel of your mother and father? Proverbs talks about the eye that, what? Mocks his father. The ravens of the valley shall come and pluck it out. A little side note um, here. I don't know if you ever watched the, the um, of Christ, the, the Christ, the uh, Passion of the Christ. You ever see the Passion of the Christ? Okay, some of you did. So in the end, when Jesus is on the cross and the, and the two thieves are there with him and the one says, you remember me when you get into your kingdom and the other one is continuing mocking, all of a sudden a bird comes and lands on the cross and it starts plucking out the guy's eye. Has, I, I felt bad because it has nothing to do with really what's in the Bible. That's, that's, it's wrong. However, the person who made that movie was applying that principle from Proverbs there because they recognized that Jesus was who? God, the Father. So, you know, show us the Father and it will suffice us. Philip, have I been so long with you and you haven't recognized me? And so the ravens of the valley, said, the eye that mocks the Father, the ravens of the valley will come and pluck it out. And so that's what the, 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 the director of the movie was trying to, to show. Now think about it. Wouldn't it be kind of amazing? How many of you would be totally blind right now? Or, or you'd be walking around with one eye? You know, I'd probably be blind because the, the first time, I would have learned my lesson for a while, but then I would have what? I would have reverted and I would have done it again and all of a sudden I've been blind. I don't know what would happen after both my eyes were gone, what then would be plucked out, okay? But kids, how do you treat the counsel of your mother and your father? Are you more inclined to listen to your parents or those in the world? So moms and dads, I don't have it up there. But you've got to ask yourself within that as well, then, should they what? <laughs> should they be listening to your counsel? Is your counsel honestly coming from the Word of God? Are you spending time reading God's Word, spending time meditating on God's Word, studying God's Word, memorizing God's Word, so that when you give counsel, that it is honestly godly counsel? Because sadly, a lot of the counsel coming from moms and dads today isn't what? Godly counsel. Is there then a need to change the way you think and therefore change the way you act? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you for your word. It is true. It is quick. It is powerful. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. I thank you, Lord, for the book of Proverbs where you have given us truth, Lord. And even to this point where right off the bat you force us to make a decision of whose counsel we want or what possession we really want in this world whether we want your wisdom or whether we want the wealth of the world clearly it is the voice of the world and the voice of sinners the voice of those who don't fear you of fools who crawl to us to gain just a little bit more just a little bit more just a little bit more it's like a siren's cry. And like sailors in a boat, we tend to move toward it. Lord, help us to close our ears to it and to set our eyes and our hearts towards you alone. That those who have ears to hear, that we would hear the truth from your word. That you would receive the glory in our lives individually, that you would receive the glory in our our homes, you would receive the glory in this assembly.
Lord, I pray that you would be using your word daily in each of our lives. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go.